0: Well, hello and welcome to this service today. On a very hot day, we've been experiencing a lot of hot weather in this country. Uh, I haven't actually been in this country for the last month. We've just got back from a long trip to the USA to visit our daughter and husband and the grandchildren. It was the first time we'd seen them since before COVID. So obviously a great thing and very exciting. When I looked at the passages in the lectionary for this week, I was immediately struck by two lessons, which we kind of learned over this trip and which seem to relate very much to the two passages. I hope they speak to you as well as to me. But let's start with a, a hymn of praise. There is a Redeemer, Jesus, God's own son.
1: There is a Redeemer. There is a Redeemer, Jesus God's own Son. and glory.
0: father in heaven king of glory we adore your name and work to glorify you forever it's through your will that we are alive and healthy today your grace has allowed us to come together some in churches some in their homes alone or with others you have promised that whenever we call on your name you will hear and answer us come and be with us god and have fellowship with us make your blessings abundant and grace us with your presence. Through this meditation and these words of prayer and worship, glorify yourself and draw us closer to you. Amen. Let's begin today by saying together the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory for ever and ever. Amen. So our first of two lessons from our trip to America is actually a lesson that we learned on returning and it was this don't leave your garden for a month in the summer let's read from isaiah chapter 5 verses 1 to 7 the song of the unfruitful vineyard let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard my beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill he dug it and cleared it of stones he planted it with choice vines he built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it he expected it to yield grapes but it yielded wild grapes and now inhabitants of jerusalem and people of judah judge between me and my vineyard what more was there to do for my vineyard that i have not done in it When I expected it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? And now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge and it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall and it shall be trampled down. I will make it a waste. It shall not be pruned or hoed and it shall be overgrown with briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it for the vineyard of the lord of hosts is the house of israel and the people of judah are his pleasant planting he expected justice but saw bloodshed righteousness but heard a cry that really does sound a lot like the state of my garden of our garden when we arrived back here's some photographs We walked into an overgrown mess with a mixture of rampant grapevines, dead plants and weeds, and a lawn that was sprouting trees from long-buried roots. Why was it like that? Well, neglect and drought. It was strikingly like the words about God's vineyard in Isaiah's prophecy, I will make it a waste, it shall not be pruned or hoed, and it shall be overgrown with briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. In Isaiah's message, this was because despite all of God's lavish care, the vineyard had been unfruitful. So he was leaving it to be overtaken by the wilderness outside. Is there something for us in that message? Has God cared for us and given us many opportunities only for us to be unfruitful? We need to be careful that we don't let our walls be broken down, allowing the wilderness of the world to encroach. And that we're diligent in weeding, pruning, and watering our lives to give them the best chance of being fruitful for God. Weeds, of course, are a good metaphor for sins and habits that start small, but slowly get rooted in our lives and take some shifting. I'll be honest, when I looked at our front garden and saw this tree sprouting, uh, I had no idea that there was a root underneath there. I knew that they'd had a tree, the previous owners, and that they'd taken it out. But when I actually dug down around this new growth there, it was a thick root remaining that had never been dealt with from years before and just needed a little bit of neglect and a little bit of time to start growing again. There might be things like that in my life, I must admit. Pruning is a common picture in the Bible. Think of John 15. I'm the vine and my father's the gardener. There's a whole passage there about pruning to make things more fruitful. It's an image which encourages us to look at what we're doing with our lives and concentrate our efforts on what will promote love, joy, peace and all those other fruits of the Spirit. And drought, well, that clearly comes into our lives when we don't ask the Holy Spirit to be constantly filling us. One of Jesus' great spirits promises was that he was the living water are we experiencing that daily refreshing ask god to fill you because the good news is that gardens recover some of my plants are dead and will need to be replaced but others even though they looked completely dry at first glance have got life in them i snipped away at these completely dead hydrangeas and sure enough the, the sap was there. There was still greenness in the stems. They will come back. However dry you may feel, God can refresh you and regrow you. We're going through a, a time of real drought at the moment in the country, aren't we? And we're starting to see hosepipe bands and water levels are really low. May that not be the case in our lives. May the water level of the Holy Spirit still be high and may we feel God's refreshing. Let's listen to this song. Down the mountain the river flows and it brings refreshing wherever it goes. two, heroes, real and imaginary. Our family in America are obsessed with superheroes and comic book characters, as are many people today. Here's a picture of our daughter. She's gone for American citizenship and she was threatening to wear this costume to go just to make sure that people uh, really accepted her as being wanting to be a, a true American. Hmm. Anyway, it starts at birth. Here's some of the earliest pictures of our grandson and granddaughter. It's interesting that as belief in God declines. People reach out for fantasy characters who can save the world. Everyone is looking for a Superman. Everyone's looking for a hero. But who are the real heroes? Who in the modern world has inspired you? It may be someone famous. Everyone immediately springs to talking about somebody like Mother Teresa. Or It may be someone known only to you who helped you become a better person. And then of course, there are the heroes of the Bible. Just take a couple of minutes now to think about those who've inspired and blessed you and to thank God for their lives and their lessons. Now let's read from Hebrews chapter 11, starting at verse 29. The faith of other Israelite heroes. We've read about some of the major heroes in the first 28 verses of this chapter. and We'll refer back to that. But the writer goes on now to list a few more. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as if it were dry land. But when the Egyptians attempted to do so they were drowned by faith the walls of Jericho fell after they'd been encircled for seven days by faith Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had received the spies in peace and what more should I say for time would fail me to tell of Gideon Barak Samson Jephthah of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith, conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword, won strength out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead by resurrection. Others were tortured refusing to accept release in order to obtain a better resurrection. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned to death, they were sawn in two, they were killed by the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, persecuted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. Yet all these though they were commended for their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better, so that they would not without us be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, And let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Ten heroes are listed in Hebrews 11, and as the writer says, there are many more who could be listed. And they're only the Old Testament heroes. We'd probably include Paul and maybe other apostles, as well as the greatest hero of all, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ, but we'll come to him later. Who are your biblical heroes? Now, what do all of those listed in Hebrews 11 and the ones that you think of, have in common from the passage in Hebrews and from what we know by reading their stories there are three things first of all they had faults look through that list and just recall their life stories Abraham he lied about his wife he claimed she was his sister fearing for his life thinking she'd be killed by he'd be killed by someone who wanted to take her Moses killed an Egyptian and fled from Egypt. Later on, in the incident that got him, in a sense, banned from entering the promised land, God told him to touch a stone and bring out water for the Israelites. But he stood up there like someone in command saying, how long have we got to put up with you lot? I'll bring water out of this stone. And he hit the stone with a staff and water came. God did what he said he would do. But because Moses kind of took the honor on himself, um, he didn't enter the promised land samson had well i think nowadays we would have some names for it one of them would be possibly anger issues he was forever picking fights with people and in a sense it was often with the philistines and and it was part of god's plan that he should be someone who stood up to the to the philistines on behalf of israel But certainly when you read through his story, he was someone with a a hasty temper. And there's probably another word for this as well, but he was certainly one who was led astray by women. Uh, He had an eye for women and he really was putty in their hands, wasn't he? Delilah, the very famous incident where he let himself be deceived, where he gave away the secrets of his power because of his love and desire for a woman. Jephthah is an interesting one to pop in there. Very few people, I guess, will will know Jephthah or remember Jephthah. I couldn't off the top of my head remember what he'd done. Um, but I do remember that in going forth to battle for God, he made this foolish promise that the first thing that met him on his return, he would sacrifice. And of course, the first thing he saw on his return home after the battle, was his young daughter coming out to greet him. And foolishly and wrongly, he kept that vow and uh, his daughter died. That's what's thought we I mean, were not entirely sure whether that was what happened, but that certainly seems to be what happened. Foolish vows. <laughs> David, of course, wow such a mighty man but right in the center of it that that horrendous story of his adultery with Bathsheba and engineering the death of Uriah who was listed as one of his mighty men one of his generals incredibly loyal and he organized his death to to cover up his adultery so people with faults uh guess I'm a little bit encouraged by that that's you can have an awful lot of faults and still be someone who is uh, kind of recognised by God as one of his people. In the midst of this, you see, they all had faith. That's what this chapter's about. It's called the Gallery of Faith. That's why they're listed here. They were people of faith. And it's interesting that in summarising the whole thing, the writer says two things. For some that faith was evidenced in powerful deeds. They conquered kingdoms, they administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword, won strength out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Wow, that's, that's the kind of faith and the kind of activity that I would love to see in my life. For others, it was in suffering. Others were tortured, suffered mocking and flogging, chains, imprisonment, stoned to death, went about destitute, persecuted, tormented, wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. That's not what I would choose, but in both cases, they were examples of faith, those who did mighty deeds and those who suffered mighty losses. I searched online for this because I had a vague memory of this logo and I did find it. I thought it was something else, but it was actually the American Baptist Foreign Mission Society. And it shows a bull before an altar and with a yoke in front of it. And the motto simply says, ready for either. The yoke of course is symbolizing work and service and the altar is symbolizing sacrifice. So bulls in the Old Testament, they could be put to pulling plows or they could be sacrificed. Ready for either. Whether God calls us to great public acts of service or to quiet, sacrificial lives that nobody knows about, we can equally be people of faith. I hope we're people who are ready for either. And then the last thing this chapter tells us about these people is they had hope they all died in expectation of something more they didn't receive the promise it says yet all these though they were commended for their faith did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better so that they would not without us be made perfect it's in our generation that we see God's promise being fully revealed Abraham was promised that all the nations of the earth would be blessed through him. He never saw it. He never saw his descendants, Jesus, being the seed of Abraham, through whom all the earth would be blessed. David was promised by God on more than one occasion that through his descendants, his dynasty would live forever. Uh, when he wanted to build a temple, God said, "No, Solomon will build a temple." And He spoke to David and said, "He will be my son; I will be his father. His throne will last forever." But he couldn't have known what that meant. I, I guess he assumed it just meant it would be a very long-lasting dynasty that would have mighty rule over Israel and all that kind of thing. As we know that that didn't happen, but as we know, the seed of David, the the Messiah. Does rule forever. So that promise to David was fulfilled in a way he could never have imagined. They looked forward in faith to something God had promised, even though they couldn't imagine what that would be. Without us, they couldn't be perfected. That is, it's our generation, our era, which has seen God's promise fulfilled and which lives in that knowledge. Not only are we the inheritors of those promises, but we have the greatest example of all in Jesus, who, as it says, for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. So we have a cloud of witnesses, and most of all, we have the example of Jesus who's gone before us, who's endured all that we could ever endure and is set at the right hand of God. So persevere. These great heroes of the faith persevered simply in hope and faith with no clear idea of what they were looking for, very little comprehension of God's purposes. Surely we can persevere when we have so great a cloud of witnesses. So as the verses say, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely. And let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And thinking of our dead and drought-ridden gardens, let's keep planting seeds, let's keep watering and weeding, For as it says in Galatians, in due time we will reap if we don't faint. Keep going.
1: and shall be moved and the power of the god
0: Lord, may we walk in faith today. And until you return or call us home, and by your grace may we be inheritors of your great promises in the kingdom of God. Amen.